4: It's Monday. Can you tell it's Monday? I mean, holy cow. It is. uh, Well, I mean, first and foremost, I spent the whole weekend sick as a dog. Um, I don't know what happened, but man, like Friday night started feeling a little funky and dang, just dropped me right in the dirt for two days. Uh, Saturday was the worst. Yesterday was better. Today, even better still. But of course, then on top of it, GCI, that wonderful organization that provides us right now with our internet, um, <laughs> decided to uh, poop the bed yesterday, and uh, it's still not working hundred percent right. So uh, I've been trying to, uh, I've been fighting to get the program uh, on the air uh, on the internet side uh, for about twenty-five minutes this morning. So. Uh, finally got uh, everything rolling. We're on radio, which is always good. That's the best part, uh, of course, doing the radio thing. Um, but uh, here we are, rocking and rolling, ready to go. Uh, and, uh, and of course, this was the weekend that I was going to go out there and set up my Starlink um, to test. And uh, of course, I didn't. Uh, I didn't do it. I did not. I did not go out and test it uh, because I was um, unconscious and under the under the under the persuasion of uh, some serious decongestants and stuff like that. So, anyway, uh, welcome back to the program, and thanks for coming in. It is the Monday edition of the Michael Duke Show. Excuse me, I will be muting myself several times this morning because I've got a rattly cough that you guys don't need to hear. All right. So, uh, anyway, welcome to the program. Today's show, uh, we're going to be joined in hour two by Representative uh, Ben Carpenter, who's going to come on board and talk with us about uh, the budget, the capital projects, the vetoes, and, of course, the real, true fiscal plan. Um, The real, true uh, fiscal plan that he has been working on um, and – and uh, you know what we can expect coming up into this next uh, section of the uh, of the legis- legislative session, um, and so that's going to be that's going to be the uh, overall uh, gist of the show for hour two today. In hour one, we're going to talk about some of the headlines that are going on out there. If I can actually pull them up and read them this morning. Um, uh, literally having some, uh, literally having some challenges here, just, uh, being able to pull up some of the new sites and, uh, do stuff like that, which is unfortunate, but that's, uh, that's just the way the cookie crumbles. Uh, how was your weekend? How did you, did you, I mean, it was a gorgeous, uh, weekend. I actually, uh, uh, went outside as feeling as crummy as I was, went outside, sat on the porch, uh, enjoyed a little bit of the straight vitamin D onto the old forehead and uh felt pretty good about it <clears throat> excuse me uh, felt pretty good um, about it uh, overall uh meanwhile there are there's some some angsty stuff that uh, took place over the weekend including all the stuff uh that happened in Russia now I don't know if you were I mean even I, Saw what happened (laughs) Even I Even I Who who avoids the news uh, Over the weekend Just because I want to uh, uh, Because I want to uh, um, You know uh, Relax my brain From that kind of stuff Even I uh, Realized that uh, uh, That something was Going on over in Russia Uh, So Was it a coup? Was it an insurrection? Was it a Um, What what was going on uh, with the Wagner Group, which is the – Wagner Group is the Russian uh, mercenary group that has been fighting for Vladimir Putin. Um, And uh, they turn around and they started marching towards Moscow after apparently some of the Russian forces uh, started – uh, shooting some of the Wagner forces I mean there's been all kinds of things going I mean this whole thing is just it. It's like a I mean if it wasn't for all the loss of life This would be like a modern day soap opera It's uh, <clears throat> Pretty amazing So uh, The leader of the Wagner group uh, pre, uh, uh Has played a central role In the war First deploying his, mil- uh, his mercenaries Onto the front line and then later recruiting heavily from prisons to bolster the depleting forces from Moscow. Um, he led the onslaught in Bakhmut, which culminated in Putin declaring the city under Russian control. Um, and he, uh, the, the dispute started between uh, Wagner and the Russian military leaders. Uh, it's been going on for months. Uh, then uh Brugotson accused Russian generals of stonewalling his ammunition request, And then blamed them for um, his fighters dying uh, in the Ukraine for lack of ammunition. Then uh, uh, he accused the Russian forces of conducting a strike on his fighters at an encampment in the Ukraine. And that caused him to do an about face. And he started marching towards uh, uh, to uh, Moscow. He finally called uh, he finally called uh, called that off after he got his um, his deal, which was uh, amnesty and a bunch of other things and all this. I mean, mean, this is just again, you could not write this as if it was a a modern day soap opera. So uh, good stuff uh, to uh, I mean, I guess for the. Uh, Ukrainians, with the Russians are fighting each other, couldn't ask for something bigger than that. There's other hand-wringing going on, including with Governor Mike Dunleavy, who has removed a university researcher um, from the Alaska Center for Energy and Power. Um, She was Associate Vice Chancellor of the University of Alaska uh, Fairbanks and was notified earlier this month that she'd been removed from Dunleavy's Energy Security Task Force, she said in a phone interview. Her removal came after just two meetings, and so, of course, this ended up in the paper. She was one of two subject matter experts serving as a vice chair of the task force along with Curtis Thayer. Um, she said Dunleavy's office told her they were looking for somebody higher up in the university system to participate in the task force. She said it was a little bit of a surprise. Um She said in her position at the university, she said she had promoted renewed discussions about the use of nuclear power, said she's also recently published a series of public-facing essays in which she'd scrutinized Alaskans' urban investment, uh, uh, utility investments, and examined the cost and the benefits of a new hydroelectric project. Uh, The spokesperson for the governor responded to an interview request with a prepared statement that didn't explain why Holdman was removed, though uh, the governor's office continues to work closely with her. So, again, things are clear as mud with the Dunleavy administration as they continue to do things and not explain what's going on or exactly what's happened uh, and why. Now, on top of that, the pushback continues on the uh, education front. Uh, KTUU has an article up uh, right now highlighting the Kenai Peninsula Borough School District response to the veto funding. Uh, In a letter Friday, the uh, Anchorage School District leaders asked the lawmakers to hold a special session to override the veto. And then Kenai Peninsula Borough School District Superintendent Clayton Holland uh, also put out a statement saying that these cuts would be devastating to some Alaska school districts. He said uh, it's a bit disingenuous that we don't have the full picture here when we're we're talking about this, and I think for us as educators, we're going to get by in the Kenai Peninsula borough school district with a million-dollar dip in our fund balance. It's going to be very tight, but we are going to get by. We're going to have some smaller cuts to take place. He said he was more worried about other school districts. Uh, Kevin McCabe is quoted in the story as saying a veto override is a long shot. Uh, he said the BSA increase, even with the governor's vetoes, is among the largest single increase ever. None of us respond well to threats and coercion, and I doubt even with the district administrator's letter that there are enough members in the House to call a special session to override the governor's vetoes. But, of course... It's uh, it's here in the news and they're going to pump it from every corner of the globe that this is uh, this is the, the you know, this is what's going on. Um, and I can see this now is going to be a continuing saga here for the next few. I don't know, weeks, months they have until the uh, either call a special session or they have the fifth day of the re- next regular session to override the governor's vetoes and uh, do all that. All right. Well, I'm going to take a quick break and uh, um, I will be back with more. I haven't done this much talking the entire weekend and it's triggering something in there. So I apologize. Uh, We're going to be back with more. We'll get some headlines. I suppose maybe we'll open the phone lines up as well. uh, Let you guys do some of the talking. Maybe that'll prevent me from coughing quite so much. And then we've got uh, Ben Carpenter coming up in our two. All right, which reminds me, i got to send him a message. All right, here we go, The Michael Duke Show. Common sense, liberty-based, free-thinking radio. Like and share, like and follow, do all that kind of stuff. Come on out and see us on Facebook, YouTube, and Twitch. We'll be back with more right after this.
0: live through a series of tubes allowing all of these uh, entities to provide streaming stuff going on on the,
1: on the, on the, the internet
0: well it's kind of hard to explain sorry streaming live every weekday morning on facebook live and Michael michaeldukeshow.com
4: holy god almighty <clears throat> um wow mm-hmm. <clears throat> um all right. Going back up here to see if you guys have talked about anything good. Um uh, I'm here. I kind of missed the old test pattern, says Bill and Brian. <sighs> Yeah, okay Uh, Yeah, I don't know what's going on The internet was so janky yesterday And I've talked to GCI Tech Support And they're like, we're aware of it, we're working on it Thought it was fixed this morning But my god, it was so It took me 30 minutes to get this screen up for for you guys Almost 30 minutes Um, okay, all right, there you go, I guess that's it, we're all good Um, you need a snort of Afrin, it's now, it's, I haven't been talking much of the weekend because I was so cruddy Now with all this talking, all of a sudden it just triggers a coughing fit, like all of a sudden like it's dry as a bone and then boom I should have, uh should have brought a cough drop up is what I should have done. Should have brought a cough drop up. Yeah, this whole thing with the Wagner group that <laughs> even I at some point had to go, let me look into that because that just seems crazy. Um okay. Um here is the story from Friday so we'll uh we'll touch on that on the other side. uh, I suppose I should open the phone lines up, huh? <clears throat> I'm not gonna be very good company today, folks. I'm just telling you right now I'm having a heck of a time. <clears throat> <clears throat> oh, it just comes up on me out of the blue. okay. Yes. Yes. Oh my God. It's (sighs) okay. Man, everything is just so freaking slow when the internet's not working right. The worst, you know, the I guess the best part was is that all the streaming and everything else worked, all my stuff that required direct connection to services worked, but you couldn't pull up a website, you couldn't do I mean, it was just it was insane. This morning at least I can pull up a website. I mean, albeit it takes me 10 minutes to get it loaded and running. All right. Let's see if we can get the phone lines up. All right. Well, apparently the phone lines are now running. <clears throat> so, we should be good to go with that. Oh. Yeah. Man, I was feeling better yesterday, but ooh. <sighs> I have got so much stuff to do today. Um, <laughs> we don't mind if you drink in front of us. Man, I don't mind if I drink in front of you. I mean, at this point. Okay, all right, I'm awake. I got it. Phone lines are open. Everything's ready to rock and roll. Let me lock this up here. Okay, everybody's in pause pause, pause mode. All right, we're ready to go. Damn. The worst part is I got to try and formulate like cohesive sentences and stuff. I might be doing some reading this morning here on the air. Here we go. Jumping back into it, The Michael Duke Show. The Michael Duke Show,
0: not your daddy. Wait, sorry, not your daddy. Ooh, not your daddy's talk radio. Huh. Whew! I was scared for a second. Thought we were going down. Here's Michael Duke's and the show.
4: Okay. All right, we all ready. I mean, I'm as ready as I can be. Somebody recommended a hot toddy already this morning. And, uh, I mean, I'm not opposed. I'm not opposed to that at all. Uh, Welcome back to the program. It is The Michael Luke Show, and it is the Monday edition of the show. Uh, Is this the perfect time to tell you that I'm going to be taking Friday off? Is this the perfect time to tell you that, that I decided to... Because we're going to be because I'm closing the radio stations for Monday and Tuesday the following week because of the 4th of July weekend, because 4th of July following on a Tuesday that I'm going to was going to take Monday off and Tuesday off. Uh, Is it a good time to tell you that I'm going to be taking Friday off? So that I have a five day weekend. Okay, well, I just did. I'm taking Friday off. Um, So there you go. Um, it's, it's, so see, there's a bright spot in the week right there. Only four days to work through this creep and crud. Holy cow. Um, all right. So we, uh, where were we? Uh, we were talking about, uh, oh, we were talking about the school districts and all the stories that are coming out about what a bad, bad man Governor Dunleavy is because he didn't, uh, he didn't do what the... Powers that be, uh, i.e. the teachers unions and the administrative uh, uh, pogues, wanted uh, him to do on the uh, school district stuff. And so um, they're writing about it, you know, in every corner of the globe. They're writing about how how bad it is and how we just can't live without all the money that uh, they should be giving them and everything else. And then the uh, Alaska Beacon um, basically said... uh, they did the numbers. They ran the numbers and talked to the legislators and discovered that uh, mm, nope, nope. The result of an Alaska Beacon poll of all 60 legislators and interviews with leading members of the State House and Senate show insufficient po- uh, support to call a brief special session. That special session would be necessary for a quick override. Um, it requires the support of 40 of 60 legislators in order to convene a special session and the actual overturning of the veto requires 45 votes so if there's 15 holdouts or more that's uh or more than 15 i guess 16 holdouts or more then uh, that's uh that's that's the whole dog and pony show uh, speaker of the House, Kathy Tilton, is quoted on Thursday uh, after polling members of her house. She said, I don't see that there's enough number to get to two thirds. So therefore, you obviously wouldn't get to three quarters. At the start of the week, Dunleavy, of course, vetoed that $87 million from the proposed temporary $175 million to boost the K-12 funding that had been sought by local administrators and education advocates. Well, of course, and all the 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 stuff and the things. Um, uh, Without the with the veto, some school districts, including the one covering Alaska's capital uh, capital city, Juneau, needs to make immediate cuts. Other will use uh, savings to balance their budget this year, but they'll need to make cuts next year. Um, So they there are still those out there, though, who are backing an immediate special session, including Senate President Gary Stevens and the predominantly Democratic House Minority Caucus. Informal polling indicates between 21 and 26 legislators oppose an immediate special session. Not all legislators responded to the Beacon's informal poll, and Tilton declined to share the precise results of her uh, calls with legislators, but she said that it's not really close. Um, So... We'll see. Uh, we'll see what happens here. Uh, ben Carpenter, who's going to be on here in the next hour and other uh, supporters of the vetoes, expressed a similar view in an op-ed published in the ADN that called on Dunleavy to call a special session later this year on a fiscal plan. Uh, Eastman said he's skeptical that there will be a special session, saying that the vetoes didn't go far enough. The $200 million vetoed from the budget is high by historical standards, but the fewest Dunleavy uh, Dunleavy has signed since he took office in 2018. And, I mean, well, yeah, it's high by historical standards to some of the highest budgets by historical standards, still, even with the vetoes. So, again, a rising tide floats all boats. It's not that surprising that they are the historically largest vetoes that you've seen thus far, because, again, some of the largest budgets that you've seen thus far. Oh, man. Um, Anyway, uh, I don't think the governor went far enough, said Kevin McCabe. This is the the least amounts he's ever vetoed. We need to find a way to reduce agency operations and restore responsible fiscal management, uh, is what he said. Uh, Two members of the House majority, C.J. McCormick of Bethel and Neil Foster of Nome, said they support an override. But pretty much everybody else is uh, gone take a powder and they're gone for the rest of the summer. So there may be some kind of special session going on into uh, next, into the fall. But I would not expect one before then at this point. That's just, that's my hot take on it. Which, I mean, as you can tell, is an amazingly hot take. I mean, really snottily amazing hot take. Um, all right. Uh, I've opened up the phone lines because obviously I'm uh, having a little bit of a challenge here with the old uh, schnoz and the noggin. So feel free to give us a call and talk about whatever it is that you want to talk about, Uh, 907-433-3150, 907-433-3150 is the phone number if you would like to uh, call in and talk with us about, uh, well, pretty much uh, anything that's on your mind today. Um, I've been basically just watching this whole thing with uh, – I've been watching this whole thing with the uh, uh, media coverage of the vetoes and how everybody's all been out of shape about it and I can just tell that this is going to be the next this is going to be the next um, cause de jour. I mean, they've been talking about the education funding for the last year in the papers. I mean, that's what was driving a lot of this was the public opinion driven by the news media and everything else. And now that they've been foiled in their plan, they're gonna just keep harping on. They're just gonna keep hammering away at it. They're just gonna keep harping on it. And so this is uh, what we can expect for the foreseeable future when it comes to uh, when it comes to uh, um, the the coverage of this. And, and this is gonna be, I'm sure, gonna be a number one issue coming back into the next session. Is going to be finalizing this education funding. Everything that he, everything you need, everything you need. I mean, they are going to cut everything, right? But the the PFD is, look, the PFD, that's, that's what, that's, that's, that's what's funding all this, folks. In case you hadn't figured it out, that's what's funding all this is the PFD. I mean, there's no, there's no new source of revenue. There's no new magic bullet. There's no new anything else. Basically, they're taking your PFD and they're using it to fund everything that they want, including this whole thing with education. And if you don't like it, then you can just suck it. That's basically what they're telling you. And so there you go. There you go. <laughs> That's pretty much it. 907-433-3150. Let me click uh, on some buttons here to make sure that uh, we got it all in there. Um, we'd love to hear what you guys have to say. As we continue to roll ahead here, some of the other stories that are coming out uh, include uh, discussions about the former uh, Homer judge who was arraigned this last Friday. Now, this was just an arraignment where the charges have read, um, but it was a apparently a packed courtroom. On Friday, Superior Court Judge Thomas Matthews presided over the arraignment via Zoom. Uh, The judge, uh, Margaret Murphy, represented by her attorney with an independent prosecutor also present, the specifics of the perjury charges were not immediately clear, but it is known that a grand jury has been investigating the case for several months. Judge Matthews, noting that the courtroom was full, has promised that the next hearing will also be held via Zoom in accordance with the public's interest. Among those in attendance were members of the group that has been protesting judicial corruption at the Kenai Courthouse. Due to the nature of this case, three judges recused themselves, as did the courthouse staff. From an Anchorage courtroom, Judge Thomas addressed the defendant's attorney and basically this uh, explaining that this is an arraignment, that he's, she's got a copy of the charges, they're going to enter a plea, they didn't want to have the charges read in the courtroom, And they waived the reading of the advisement and entered a plea of not guilty. Uh, And then he reminded the court what uh, penalty Judge Murphy could be facing. Uh, This is a Class B felony, a maximum penalty of 10 years in jail and a $100,000 fine. Uh, Murphy remained silent during the hearing and was released on her own recognizance and will be required to stay in contact with her attorney. The first pretrial conference is scheduled for August 11th which will also be televised on Zoom. Uh, Matthews will be the assigned trial judge, and the trial date has yet to be determined. But this is big news. This is big news for those folks on the peninsula who have been fighting for, uh, you know, kind of this against this judicial corruption that we've been seeing. And um, and if some of the stuff that uh, David Haig has been asserting in this turns out to be true, oh, man, there is going to be some... Uh, well, it's it's just going to see it's going to be very interesting. Let's just put it that way. It's going to be a very interesting time in the old uh, judicial huddle uh, sometime in the near future if all that stuff turns out to be uh, turns out to be true. Um. All right. What? <laughs> here's a headline. Here's a headline you do not ever want to read uh, in passing. Alaska document sharp increase in number of babies born with syphilis. That I mean, that's just not. I was just scrolling through the headlines real quick to see what else I had missed here on the way by. Um, uh, I guess that's uh, that's that's that that was all the stories that I had promoted or ready to go this morning. And I am. uh... Excuse me, folks, I apologize. Um, Normally I would, uh, you know just call the ball and, and, uh, do a best of, but I got Ben Carpenter coming up and I couldn't, I just couldn't let him, I couldn't let him go, man. I wanted to talk to him about what's happening, uh, and what his thoughts are on the, uh, uh, what his thoughts are on the, uh, uh upcoming discussion about a fiscal plan. Um, I definitely want to, uh, see what's going on with that. Did you see the article about Starlink? Uh, speaking of poor, crappy internet, you seen the uh, uh, article about Starlink um, working with the state of Alaska to try and get uh, restore the internet and cell service up on the North Slope after Quintillion had their breakdown. So uh, they said that uh, <laughs> they uh, they are uh, that they're they're working with the state of Alaska right now. Uh, ready to put uh, things in. Um, while a hundred million dollars in taxpayer borrowing is appropriated for Alaska to build out fiber optic cable, Starlink um, have been developed largely without government subsidies. and Starlink is ready to go. The company has placed orders um, um, The company is getting orders rather from people all over the North Slope right now. And it looks like um, people are seeing the free market work, and I think that's a that's a fantastic job. They're seeing they're seeing what's available, and they're willing to do it themselves. They're not waiting for the government to come in. So good for them, and good for Starlink finding a need and filling a need. I think that's a good thing. All right, um, let's go over here. I got a call on hold, so let me take this call on hold before we go to break. I'll see if I can gut it through one more segment before we bring Ben Carpenter on here and we'll let him do most of the talking in hour two. Let's go over to the phones. Good morning. Who's this? Where are you calling from?
1: Yeah, good morning. This is Willie Keple here in Hawk. Good morning, Willie. You look like you needed a little rescue. Holy cow, like you should be in bed. <laughs> well, I mean, I
4: feel a lot better than I did on Saturday, but, I mean, I I also was not talking a lot on Saturday, so it's the talking more than anything I think that's getting me.
1: Well, you hit a couple of my favorite subjects this morning. One is uh, Devito, and the other one is Starlink and Western Alaska. <laughs> I can tell you right now, whatever they're doing, they're they're trying. They've refunneled a bunch of Starlink, or uh, or the GCI stuff is being rechanneled back around through the Bethel system, and it's really rough out here with GCI. (laughs) You think you got a bad, this really a messed up zone, but even Starlink this morning um, was pretty, it was on and off, on and off in here before you came on, I I always wake up early and, and I had it on, I was having to mess with it quite a bit, so whatever happened. GCI is not the answer, and uh, I'm sticking with it. I'm, I'm sticking with Starlink no matter what now. <laughs> but anyway, what I was calling for before uh, Representative Carpenter comes on is my favorite subject right now is the veto. And uh, when the governor vetoed 200 million, just a little over 200 million, I thought it was a brilliant move because. In essence, all he did was veto the same amount of money that the legislature went ahead and agreed to in the supplemental budget. You had 1.28.6 million in the operational budget and 71.8 million in the capital budget for a grand sum total in the in the supplemental of 200 point four million dollars and in the governor's little four paragraph statement he put out with the budget it was like yeah we're we're working our way towards physical responsibility and a path forward we're just gonna keep doing this but what he what, how I read that four paragraphs was, yeah, now all of a sudden I'm cool with the 25.75. I'm just going to go ahead and okay your whole supplemental budget, which the way I look at supplemental budgets, it's fairy dust sprinkled through the year without any responsibility <laughs> behind it for a whole lot of different stuff. Yes, there are yeah. some emergencies, but for the most part, this is this is underfunding and they slam dunk it in and they count on having the votes when it hits the legislature to slide right through, which um House Bill thirty nine, the omnis, and forty one, the the operating, those two bills combined, they slid right through. <laughs> so what the governor to me, what the governor has said is, hey look, Here's your here's what I let all of you irresponsible administrators get away with. Two hundred million dollars. I just okayed it and now I'm taking two hundred million from the budget, of which $175 million is from the BAS and for your base students, and I'm going, hmm, in other words, he's telling them, just keep doing what you're doing, and you can bring it right back around it a few months ago, right. a few more months, and here you in are. The yeah, in you, the supplemental, yeah, in the supplemental. In essence, yeah. I haven't cut nothing.
4: Yeah, no, exactly. Well, and I think the biggest thing that you mentioned early on, Willie, was the fact that this is a complicit okay of the twenty-five seventy-five plan, and I think that is the biggest—that's uh, the biggest problem there. Willie, hold the line for just a second, folks. We're out of time. We got to go. The Michael Duke Show continues. Common sense, liberty-based, free-thinking radio. Don't go anywhere. Yeah, Willie's got a really good connection from Bethel this morning. He sounded real good. Uh I mean, that's the thing, Willie. I mean, I think that was the big thing was that you you nailed it there. That's 2575 thing. That was just kind of an implicit okay, I agree with that. That's the biggest problem there that I see.
1: Well, yeah, and I don't think we're going to get past that, but I agree. I I don't see uh anywhere near the boats they need to go in and override something um, to override anything because the governor when you when you look at this I, I look at oh, you know, Senator Kawasaki run an opinion type piece, you know, uh, just a short blip on his page there, asking Fairbanks do you think we should go and go back to special session to go after the money? And of course, I mean, Fairbanks his university district well, that's like asking a handful of toddlers, you want another cookie? You know, what I mean, yeah of course yeah, they do. Exactly. They don't realize, I don't think that most urban alaska realizes what damage is actually done how much damage is actually done out here with that pfd being disappeared you know I, it's just unbelievable to me but, that, they, but
4: they keep sending um, the same guys that's back what, Willie. That's what I democrats mean, do that's the but they keep sending the same guys back i mean these same guys are voting against your pfd taking your pfd and they're still voting those same guys in year after year after year
1: I I keep asking everybody in the village, you know, I mean, we're about as remote, pretty remote, you know, and uh, I keep asking them, I says, well, what's going to happen with the PFD? You guys all voted for Lyman, you, you know, you didn't vote for me right here in the village last year for my Senate seat, you know, when I run against Lyman, and they go, they're not going to take the PFD away, they're not going to, these people are living in disbelief out here because all they ever see is see or here is public radio of which thank you very much governor you cut a million bucks from public communist radio is what I call it out here. And this is what they truly believe. They don't believe that the PFD is gonna go away and that they're gonna get taxed. And there's no people don't understand. You live in you live in urban Alaska. There's no radio stations that bring you news out in these villages. They just don't broadcast far enough. This right. is a huge friggin' area. Just the YK is over the size of this bigger than the state of Oregon. Just the YK Delta with one antenna in the middle that doesn't reach very far. And yeah. 57 villages. These people are are news-starved for factuality, and and they're just so so raised on. You got to be Democrat, you know. Republicans, the enemy. Um, they don't get it when anybody tries to tell them the truth, but right. they will when the PFD checks start showing.
4: Yeah, exactly. Well, when they totally dry up, that'll be a that'll be a wake-up call. But unfortunately, at that point. It'll be too late. All right. Well, Willie, thank you so much for calling in. I appreciate it. Well, I hope you get feeling better. Thank you, my friend. I'll talk to you soon. Um, all right, that's uh Willie out in Quinnahawk. Um part of the show for today. Ooh. Let's um let's get the next caller's name and where they're calling from and we'll 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 get them squared away. Who's this? Where are you calling from?
3: Hey Mike, Chef from Homer.
4: Hey, hey, Jeff. Um, hold, How are you? Good, my friend. Why don't you hold the line? I'll be right back to you here, and we'll let you uh, start off the next segment here. Um, with the uh, with the with the next uh, with the next deal. Goodness. All right. Well, I was thinking I was feeling hundred um, percent almost when I got up, and now I'm like, wow. <clears throat> <clears throat> Maybe I should uh maybe I should work from home today. Um all right. Um smoked whiskey in your coffee. Oh man, I really that sounds. Uh again a hot toddy, hot chocolate. Somebody else said hot chocolate with mint. That sounds good. Um what else have you guys been talking about? Um take some honey. Yeah, I could do some honey. Just a mouthful of honey, or should I put it in hot water? Honey and lemon. Honey, lemon, and, and whiskey. That's the hot toddy. That's it right there, right? Um, Gotta stop blaming Democrats. It's the Republicans that are looting, said Chris. Well, I mean, I think Republicans and Democrats are both leading looting together. I mean, I think it's the pro-government versus the anti-government crowd, or the smaller government versus the larger government crowd. I don't think you could... I don't think you can uh, dissect them or divide them by their parties anymore. I don't think that really matters anymore. All right. um, Let's uh, hot water kills honey's properties. I didn't know anything about that. Here we go. Jumping back into it. The Michael Duke Show, Common Sense, Liberty-based, free-thinking radio. Let's get it done. Okay. Okay, welcome back to the uh, program. Uh it is the Michael Duke that was quick and abrupt. Uh the Michael Luke show. Uh last segment of the show here before the end of the hour, we got Van Carpenter coming up in uh hour 2. Um, but before we get go along too long here, let's um, let's uh, jump back over to the telephones cuz I opened the telephones up as kind of a self-preservation method because my, ooh, I got that tickle in my throat. I can't get rid of it. Let's go over here. Uh, Jeff uh, from Homer is actually in Maine, but he's normally in Homer, and he joins us today to uh, say hi and uh, give us an update. What's happening, my friend? Not much. You don't sound very good. You
3: need a cup of chaga tea, man. That'll Kick that right
4: out of you. Oh, chaga, huh? I mean, everybody's been suggesting everything from hot chocolate to whiskey. So, I mean, I'm I'm open at this point.
3: Everybody I ever give it to is about four or five hours and knocks it right out of them. So, oh, chaga. I got a bunch of it. Been drinking it for I don't know, 15 years, something like that. But uh, yeah, just watching a few things on uh, War Room the other day, and about the ATF and the uh, uh, IRS going into a into Montana and taking records yeah from a gun dealer. the gun dealer if down there yeah it. yeah that's yeah they're talking about it now here there there's a congressman there're starting some things on it and trying to stop them from doing it what they're doing is they're collecting records to, to start their own database and they're collecting records according to this guy they just talked to it was a, a senator in Montana that they're not legally supposed to have the IRS so that they can trip you up on if you said you weren't a felon or you weren't this or you weren't that, they can come arrest you. So that's, a, that's kind of a crazy thing, but uh, what what isn't crazy lately? So that's what I say. Yeah, but, no, that
1: that
4: whole raid yeah. was... A, so how's a,
3: everything in Alaska? I mean, that,
4: that whole raid was an interesting hello. thing. Uh, that whole raid was an interesting thing in Montana. Uh, I mean, the, the fact that you've got IRS agents, asking for forms 4473 forms and things like that which they really have no legal i mean that's that's not that's not tax records that's Correct. not a financial record and those are only records that atf is supposed to have access to so it definitely is a right. definitely an interesting situation there so, i don't know exactly what's going
3: on the senator was saying that something biden did to try to make it legal or says it's legal or whatever. They got a loophole so they could go do it. And they had one ATF guy there. And he was very polite and nice. And then he said the IRS agents were just terrible. But anyways, they had the guy on too, you know, what uh, they were showing that. And so they're they're just trying to weaponize somebody else. You know, that's all they're doing, like everything else.
4: Well, it's that eighty million dollars they just got, right? That eighty million dollars, which wasn't going to go towards enforcement, they were going to do something different with it. But look at what happened now. Look at where it went now. That's where it ended up at.
3: Well, that's the way. It, that's the way it's going. But then, like I said, it's it's uh, it's going further back in the old swamp there. I think Obama's got quite a lot to do with it. I, you know, that's what he wished to do, and could. Of course, Biden's been there for forty years. You know. Working on this, so they're they're doing what they can do while they can. But right. hopefully, we get somebody different in there. You know, right. somebody that will take care of things. And, and uh, same in Alaska, but they all want to spend money. They are on a big money spend, and it's they got to stop them. You know, somehow we are going to stop these people from spending all this money because they're just making the economy worse and worse. Well, and I mean, we've seen the flow down here, of buildings. And stuff.
4: Look, I've come to the conclusion, Jeff, that these people are never going to stop. I mean, they, you know, they're just never going to stop. They can oh, be no. faced with the reality that you can't spend more than you take in, that eventually it's going to go bad. I mean, they've got history as a guide and everything else. But I don't think that they'll ever turn. The, I think it'll always. I think they always think that it will happen to someone else. I think that's what their thought is.
3: Well, <laughs> the one thing I know people ask me all the time is, why do they do this every time? Why are the Democrats getting to spend all this money? I say, but, number one, they want inflation. Okay. Well, it's not so just the Democrats. Worth, it's not, $10 it's, and you're a dollar's it's not just the it.
4: Democrats, though, it's Jeff. The it's the, it's the it's Republicans funny. are yeah. just as spendthrifty and, as, the, as they, the Democrats.
3: Right, right. And, and what they do is if they cause inflation, they're getting $3. on, it. So they're getting more money. You know, that's why they stand up and say, well, it's all paid for. Yeah, out of your pocket. You know, and, and it's it's an age-old thing, you know, and then they don't tell you. They, they'll stand there and say every time. Oh, we didn't bring gas up we didn't get any more tax but he did on the barrel but you don't see that they don't talk about that nobody talks about the barrel you know all of a sudden you got tankers coming in that were getting they're getting a say a dollar a barrel 2 million barrels now they're getting 3 million dollars you know out of that same tanker so they don't tell you everything that you need to know and it's very hard to look that up very hard to find that and when you find something that is very hard to find or very hard to get any information on it. They're doing something real weird. <laughs> I always find, and it, and they just make it impossible to find that information. Yeah. So they, it is. It's a deep, deep swamp, and it's just what they say it is, what you're saying it is. It's just they've got so yeah. many tricks up their sleeve that they well, got so many going, nobody can remember. About that's
4: them. the thing. They're all in it, and they're all kind of doing it together. That's that's the the bottom line. Is that it doesn't matter if it's left, right, whatever. That most of them are never going going to slow down their spend, regardless of what the facts are, regardless of the facts, looking them right in the face, that they're going to bankrupt the country. They just don't see it. They think it's always going to happen to somebody else. They always think somebody else is going to be on the hook for that. And unfortunately, that's not the case. We will be on the hook for it. That's the fact. Jeff, thank you so much for your call. It's good to talk with you, my friend. I hope you get back to Alaska soon. And uh, we look forward to uh, chatting with you again here uh, in the near future. Thank you for coming on board and being part of it with us today. Um, all right, coming up is hour two. We've got um, <clears throat> we've got uh, uh, Representative Ben Carpenter, who's going to be joining us here in just a moment, uh, and we'll be uh, talking with him about the budget. The capital projects, the vetoes, uh, and a true fiscal plan, and so hopefully um, we're gonna let him we're gonna let him kind of run the show for the next hour. I mean, I'll be asking some questions, but then I'll be able to hush my yap so that I'm not uh, coughing all over you guys, and it will be a uh, it will be a, a a good discussion. It's been one I've been waiting for. Um ever since uh ever since the governor's vetoes because uh, you know, again, that implicit agreement, that implicit acknowledgement from the governor that, well, apparently the twenty five seventy five uh is okay. See, I think he should have vetoed the portion of that so that it was fifty fifty. Whether we got it or not, he can't he can't increase it, right? He couldn't increase the budget, he couldn't put the money into the dividend. But he could have cut that out and very well said that the people's, you know, the law is very clear. It's fifty-fifty, and uh, then I think that that would have been a anyway. We'll we'll see what Ben Carpenter says about this as we uh, uh, as we jump into it here in hour two uh, of the uh, of the broadcast. Ready to go? Ready to jump in? Let's uh, let's get it going on. Here we go. Uh, hour two is dead ahead with with. Uh, Ben Carpenter. Representative Ben Carpenter. I'm going to get through there. I'm going to get through there. Back with more right after this. The Michael Luke Show. Common Sense. Liberty-based. Free thinking radio. see uh representative uh carpenter is uh in the green room we're ready to go oh my goodness holy cow man <clears throat> let's uh let's add him to the discussion here hello good morning how are you my friend good
2: morning michael i am feeling better than you sound
4: um that's, you know, I got up this morning and I thought, man, I, I think I whooped this. I think it's good. And then I realized that I hadn't talked hardly all weekend. And now it's like every other word I want to hack a lung up. So apparently I'm not quite over it as I thought I was. Um, so we're ready to uh, dive into this and uh, and uh, do the deep dive. I'm just going to ask Oops. some questions and let you steer the boat here this morning. Um because I'm obviously not at 100%. um, But I do have some questions, and I know you've uh, written a couple opinion pieces, and uh, you're quoted in the paper uh, talking about some of this stuff. So some of it's known, some of it's not. We're ready. (laughs) Excuse me. We're ready to explore it all here this morning. So Sounds good. Good, good. Uh, I'm glad you're in agreement, because I don't know. What did I just say? I can't even remember it's uh, literally literally how i'm at this morning
2: i've i've been there brother yeah it's uh oh no man you're you're a champ for for powering through it
4: well you know you don't have much choice you got to do what you got to do
2: that's that's exactly
4: it that's pretty much the end um all right uh so we're ready to go how's the flower business anything uh, you, you doing well they're still coming up still coming up still coming
3: up yeah
4: yeah it's uh it's been a crazy summer. I mean, I just keep waiting for the regular summer to show up in person, you know, kind of thing. Uh, we had a couple. Good- I'm
2: I'm counting. I'm counting four days. We had two days over Father's Day weekend, and then this last weekend
4: we had a little bit of sun. Exactly. So it's been four days of actual summer, and we're twenty six yeah. days into June right now. So
1: yeah,
4: yeah. I mean, I don't know. Maybe we get that whole Indian summer thing. It gets real nice in July and August. I just I don't know. Something's got to change, though. We can't just keep can't just keep going on this way. I mean, not that we have much of a choice, but you
2: know, uh, we will. We, we will, will continue yeah,
4: on. We <laughs> will continue on. But I mean, yeah, I would really like to see I would really like to see some, uh, um, you know, some summer sometime this year uh, before we have to go back into the white stuff and all that kind of stuff um all right uh well i'm gonna be back to you here in just a second let me um uh let me well in fact i'll just leave you up there because it'll matter i'm just going to scroll up here uh i haven't been reading the comments as much as i should have been um i'm getting all the i'm getting all the homebrew uh real uh re- recipes here uh dark chocolate mint for a scratchy throat that's not bad um, oregano oil of oregano will kill the germs. Um, okay, I don't know where I would put you. Put oil of oregano on your feet, you drink it, you eat it. I've heard all kinds of weird stuff. Um, topical lavender. I, I just, I'm gonna go with whiskey, folks. I'm just gonna go with whiskey. That seems to be the best answer to the whole situation. Um, uh, maybe whiskey and coffee, maybe whiskey, honey, and coffee. I, I mean, I can't, you know, um going through here um uh, again chris saying stop blaming democrats the republicans are all looting they're they're both looting i don't know why you would point to one or the other they're both looting it's not like you could say not them them not them them they're both doing it um and i'd never heard this hot water kills honey properties i didn't i mean Hot toddies have been around for years, and they always make me feel better. Maybe it's the whiskey, not the honey. I don't know. Um, my bestie uses a lemon, ginger, honey, cayenne, ACV, and garlic tincture. I don't what I don't know what AC... Apple cider vinegar is, must be. ACV must be apple cider vinegar. One tablespoon twice a day. Bugs gone in 24 hours. Okay. Um, so many... So many good recipes for all the stuff that I should have been doing before I got sick, right? I mean, that was all the whole thing. It's all preventative. Um, do them all, Michael. I should. I should just do them all. Let me just – I come around, and I've just got one bowl after another that I just walk down the counter, and I try – one of these is bound to work. You know, one of these <laughs> is bound to work uh, for sure. Uh, somebody says, any buds on the peonies yet? I'm sure you guys got buds, right? Yeah, we do. Oh, yeah. That's good. Um uh, Indian summer, is that a racial slur? Oh, I'm no, but if you'd like to take it that way, you're welcome to. I mean, if that's what you wanted to talk about. Um, let's see. Uh, everyone just wants you to feel better. Oh, I'm not complaining, Cindy. I just think it's interesting that there are so many different, you know, choices, so many different remedies for all the different things that ails you. Um, there's a whole bunch of different stuff in there, so um, – I'm definitely not complaining. Definitely not complaining. But, uh, I mean, I, I probably could just line them all up and take them all and probably feel better. I used chopped onion. What? I used chopped onion cover with honey, and it makes a nice juice. Chopped onion and cover it with honey and makes a nice an onion honey juice? I like onion. I don't know. That would be weird. I mean, you know. I'll try anything once. They say. Can I'll you try.
2: saute them first?
4: Yeah, I mean that's the thing. I could saute. Can I saute them in honey? I mean, will they be caramelized <laughs> then? it would be caramelized onion. All right. Sounds like complaining to me. Shut up, Harold. Just shut up. That's all I'm saying. And today, that's all I have to say about it. So. Um, all right, we're um, coming up on it. We're going to start, get started here with Ben Carpenter, and uh, we're going to kick things off for hour two. <clears throat> so I got to do the big splash screen. So uh, hold on, Ben. We'll be right back to you. The Michael Duke Show, Common Sense, Liberty Base, Free Thinking Radio. Like and share, like and follow, do all the stuff, and uh, we'll be back in just a moment. The Michael Dukes Show, streaming live across the world. Yep, across the world on the internet at michaeldukeshow.com and across the state of Alaska on this, your favorite radio station and or FM translator. Hello, and welcome back to Hour 2 of the big radio show. As you can tell, I had a fantastic weekend. Um, it was uh, full of, uh, hmm, it was full of toilet tissue paper, not toilet paper, tissue paper and uh, Sudafed and some other stuff, but I'm here. We're rocking. We're, rockin', we're rolling. It's hour two, and thank the Lord I planned ahead and brought a guest because I don't know as I could carry another hour of this talking on by myself. And uh, besides, I really wanted to know what was going on here with our next guest. Representative Ben Carpenter joins us this morning to take a look at uh, what's going on in the state. Uh, we haven't had a chance to talk since the budget was passed or w- with since the budget was vetoed. Uh, we talked between then and then. You know what I mean. Uh, but we're going to talk about the vetoes. We're going to talk about the capital projects. We're going to talk about a true fiscal plan. Representative Ben Carpenter joins us this morning. Good morning, my friend. How are you?
2: Good morning, sir. I'm doing very well. Sorry to hear you're feeling bad. That's oh. uh, that's a bummer.
4: Hey, you know, it's life is tough in the tundra. We can't all be, you know, can't it all be rainbows and ponies all the time? Um, all right, Ben. Well, let's let's get re- let's let's. Let's dive into this. Um, I guess we'll talk about the glaring elephant in the room, and somebody sent um, where's my phone? Somebody sent me an interesting commentary uh, over the weekend on this because I've been I was talking about it, and the way that the um, the way that the uh, ADN had put it out initially was this idea that, well, the only cuts that were done uh, were to people who voted against the budget. And I thought, well, that's interesting. Um, and, um, I, anyway, you were one of the, you were one of the uh, capital budget c- cuts that came in, into the, into the, uh, vetoes. And, you know, there was no re- there was no reason given the governor's office has been very mum about everything that they've been doing. They've been very, I don't want to say secretive, but they just have not been communicating with anybody, uh, with any reasoning for many of the things that they're doing. And this budget list came out, and I uh, I applaud the vetoes, but then the capital project things. I was just wondering about the targeting of that, and what are your thoughts? And and especially since it affects you and your district, uh, what 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 are you what's your thinking on this? Let's get that out of the way first. Well, um, I'm
2: privy to how the capital budget actually was formed, and the rest of the public really is not, and. So when we say that there's a capital project in my district, it isn't something that I asked for or shopped around. Literally, the the capital budget co-chair in the House put a list of um, projects on a piece of paper. There may have been some discussions behind the scenes from members of of particular districts to get their project a project on that list, but he literally created that list and then took it to the Senate on the, on the 11th hour. And said, "Here's how we can uh, get out of Juno, and that would be the first day and the last day of the special session. And so that's how the, the capital budget was created. I never asked for the project that was in my district. My focus has been on a long-term fiscal plan, and my recommendation to the governor was to veto all of the capital spending, not just those of people who didn't approve of the budget, but all of it. We need to have a conversation." about systemic change structural change that sets the state's finances on a better path moving forward and i don't know what mechanism is going to get people's attention to be able to do that because we've been talking about it since i've been in the legislature and we still don't have the will to take action on it we know what we need to do we just can't find agreement on it we don't we keep finding ways to not have the conversation and um and and my my point um to my recommendation on um vetoing all of the capital spend was to force us to come back to a special session later in the year knowing that you have to take the house and the governor into account when you are thinking about the finances of the state right now uh, this last legislative session the senate demonstrated that they really don't care what the house thinks the 40 members of the house they really don't care and so we're never going to have a long-term fiscal conversation if they don't see us as a um a a member that should be at the table right a a a participant in the process we're just an advisory opinion right now and that is that is unacceptable so to the extent that the house and the governor can work together to force all parties to come to the table during a special session then that's that was kind of what i was thinking um would be necessary to get us to have that conversation
4: right well and, and i agree i mean it was ironic that um that you know there was a meme going around that oh the 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 house has become a 40 member advisory committee and yet some of the people turned around and, and still, you know, they put that meme out and then they went ahead and voted for it anyway, making it really true and real. Um, I mean, I think and I've said this uh, many times since the since that day is that the worst part about what happened with the budget and everything else was the death of the process, um, you know, was the was the damage that is done to that process of we're supposed to be working hand in hand. You know, you get one budget, we get the other, then we swap and then we work it out and all that kind of stuff. But basically they legitimized by, you know, basically negotiating with terrorists, they legitimized that practice. And now it's become a whole this could become the way, right? This is the way this is the way things are going to be done here in the future. I think that's a very dangerous precedent to set. What do you think?
2: Well, this is the only thing that we have left. When we have a structural problem, the only solution is to is to be creative about how to to get to the end of the budget that we're constitutionally required to to um, pass there isn't there isn't another way because our structure doesn't allow it, right and I guess i'm I'm saying structure, and I'm not sure that everybody fully understands what what I mean when I say structure, right So we've got a demand for spending that is. Heavily influenced by uh, government lobby and private business and nonprofits, and they're they're influencing the decisions that get made in the legislature <clears throat> to spend basically three sources of of revenue: your federal dollars, your permanent fund earnings, and a a uh, diminishing return of oil revenue. And especially when oil prices are low, like they are now, that's that's the third. Um, Third highest source of revenue, behind federal dollars and permanent fund earnings, and so all of the other taxes that we pay, like your um, fuel, motor fuel tax, and fish tax, and all of the other um, user taxes that we pay, user fees, they don't amount to a, a significant amount uh, to the state budget, uh, the revenue to the state budget. So structurally, we have a demand for spending from your institutions and your your nonprofits and your for-profit businesses that rely upon grants and other things. And you've got three sources of revenue. And when the demand for spending and those three sources of revenue don't line up, you, you've got a structural problem, right? It's the same structural problem that every other state would have, but most other states or all other states in the nation have got a, a tax versus spending conversation. Well, we're, we're an anomaly where we don't have a tax versus spend conversation. We've got a permanent fund earnings versus spend conversation going on. And so the demand for spending and the increase in the budget, right? Since since I came into the legislature in, in 2019, our agency operations, this is the bureaucracy of state government has grown 11%. Okay, so that growth through programmatic and other, other policy calls and, and decisions that we make every year, um, that that growth, is going to demand additional spending if we don't find reductions elsewhere to, to match that, okay? That's going to consume the only available source of revenue that we have, which is the permanent fund earnings. If we have a, a year where there's a high oil um, price of oil like there was last year, well, you see what happens. We, we consume it all. You'd have maybe have a higher dividend, a larger dividend that year, but the state agency is still, the agency operations is still going to consume it and it's still going to grow. So the structural problem is that if oil prices are low, then the only other source of revenue that you can go to is the permanent fund earnings. And as long as oil prices stay low, then government is going to grow and consume the permanent fund earnings. You don't have another source of revenue to go to. Even if we put a spending limit in place, a spending limit, a fun, uh, an actual functioning spending limit, is going to allow the growth of, growth of government. So, if you allow the growth of government larger than your your um, source of revenue that you have, then you're going to end up consuming all of that revenue. That's what happened with the um, the the uh, spending limit when it left. Uh, ways and means this year and went to house finance, they adjusted the budget or adjusted the spending limit. And it would have allowed us to just spend all the rest of our earnings. Right. So, so the, the point I'm getting at is unless we address this, the structural problem that we have, which is, um, where our money's coming from, then we are going to have, we're going to have to rely on, um, tactics and strategies in the legislature to get, to the end result which is a budget and if that means um things that we would not otherwise do like hold a budget until the very end and just pass it over and there's no discussion right there's just a statutory requirement for the people to be able to see the capital budget and and comment on the capital budget right that never happened we, we didn't do that so it is it is it is corrupt it is a, it is a system that was established a system of government that was established and there's statutes that we're supposed to follow and how we do that system. And we are, we have corrupted it because our structure doesn't allow us many other options and and we don't have the will to have the conversations that we need to have. Right. So it, anyway, how do you get, how do you get 60 individuals with competing, various competing interests to come together and make some hard decisions well, I've been appealing to our better nature to to do that, but maybe, unfortunately, it requires some significant significant emotional event for us to actually come together and and um, modify what we're doing. I, that's the best that I can come up with now. If we're not gonna, if our if appealing to the better nature and asking people to come together and fix this structural problem is not going to work, then some other significant emotional event is going to cause us to do that and and if that is we've run out of savings and and we don't have any money left and now we have to make some decisions then that's that's where this goes eventually
4: that could be the that could be the the end result of this is that if nobody listens we eventually hit the wall and then that's when it is and you know it's like the it's like the the problem with the addict or whatever you have to hit rock bottom before you can you know see the forest through the trees or you're willing to admit that there is a problem you've been talking about the problem i've been talking about the problem other legislators have been talking about the problem and then you got a whole cavalcade of legislators out there like it's not a problem we'll just keep taking this money and it'll be fine don't worry about it and that's kind of what's going on now
2: one of the one of the structural problems that we have or feeds into the structural problem is that uh, from a from a legislative budget perspective what happens in our private sector outside of oil revenue doesn't matter. There isn't a large enough source of revenue coming into the state from our non-oil private sector economy. And this is where most people work. There's a small, a minority of the population that actually works in the oil field and everybody else works in the non-oil private sector economy or for governments of some sort. So that non-oil private sector economy in other states is is a larger percentage of your, your uh, state budget. And so the the conversation in the legislature has to be always focused on let's not do damage to that part of the economy that produces revenue to the state. Or how do we incentivize growth in our private sector economy and that enables us to have more state spending, right? We don't have that conversation in the legislature because it's not part of our structure. That's part of the problem. We don't we as legislators don't have to have a growing economy we've got three sources of revenue and we'll continue fighting over those three sources of revenue they're not attached to the private sector economy right and that's part of the structural problem that we have
4: representative ben carpenter is our guest uh we're continuing to talk about the budgets and the long-term fiscal plan and more we're going to continue here in just a moment Don't Go Anywhere, The Michael Duke Show, Common Sense, Liberty-based, Free Thinking Radio. We'll return with more right after this.
0: on 100% pure beard power. Oh, also some coffee. We dip our beard in coffee.
2: Ha, <laughs> nice beard.
0: The
4: Michael Duke Show. All right, we're in the break right now. Ben Carpenter is our guest. I just saw the, uh, I saw this in here, and I don't think this is what Ben was saying, but he said, Ben, I voted for you. You can't honestly believe that overspending is the voter's fault. I don't think that's what Ben was saying, but Ben, I'll let you comment on that as well. I don't think that's what you were trying to say. Yep. Yeah.
2: No, over, overspending is not the voters' fault. The, the um, decision makers in the legislature are the ones that continue to spend. Um, the only, I guess, the only, um, the only other way to look at that would be that the people who are the representatives who are in the legislature are of the people. So if the people, the voters keep sending the same individuals to the legislature and and that's what they want then ultimately they are the ones responsible for the outcomes of the of the legislature but i don't necessarily agree with that because i think there's enough people that would want um things to be different in the legislature but we're being we're kind of being held by um, a couple individuals in, in power positions that are not allowing certain conversations to happen because they have ulterior motives
4: right well i mean in some cases i guess you're right in one way if they keep sending those same people back then maybe there is some some blame to be laid at certain voters feet but not into others i guess i would say um as they go through
2: yeah it it's not it's not it's not appropriate to make a a blanket statement like that because there are um many legislators who would like to see a better structural system established and we've been, I've been having conversations with those individuals. We just don't have, um, you know, it's, it hasn't coalesced around a large enough group of people to make things right. happen yet. Right. And, or the right people, right. If you, if you put people in charge of, uh, committees and they just, um, hold, hold things hostage, if you will, or don't want to, don't want to have conversations, then they don't have them. It, it just, that's the way that, the way that it is. It's not the way that it should be. It is the way it
4: is. Right. Um, you, they don't have a better nature. <laughs> Wake up. I mean, that's the, you know, Rafi says, better nature? You're talking about thieves. I mean, you know, I I think it's kind of hard to say that people have a better nature, the same people that would ignore law and statute. It's kind of hard to say that they have a better nature, or at least that it's in there. I mean, you, you, you've attempted to it, but when you basically get uh, free-for-all and can do whatever, you know, feel like you can do whatever you want, regardless of the law that kind of throws that whole better nature thing out the out the door doesn't it
2: yeah maybe but i would argue that those people who oppose have an opposing viewpoint as mine they think they're doing the right thing for their philosophical bent right so i'm not in agreement that that they are thieves from this strictest sense of the word as somebody breaks into my house and in, in the dark and tries to take my stuff they just are they're just approaching self-government in a different perspective and i know i'm a fiscal conservative i come from a very conservative district Um, many of your listeners are are um conservative we live in a socialist state that's the that's the simple truth of this our constitutional document our, our state constitution is a socialist constitution the very concept of collective ownership of mineral rights is a socialist construct it is what it is one of those things that um, limits our economic growth companies or wealthy individuals who would bring capital in and see that they have an opportunity to make money would buy land and then develop it because the true wealth of the land is in what you can do with it within the minerals but they can't own that the state owns it. So now they have to work through the state in order to do that. So that's a, it's a wet blanket on economic growth within the state. That's the system that we have. So we have to work within it. This concept of permanent fund earnings being part of the wealth of the people is a socialistic concept. It is not capitalistic.
4: Right, right. Uh, Representative Ben Carpenter is our guest. We're ready to jump back into it. Here we go. Like and share. Like and follow, uh, subscribe and ring the bell on YouTube and all the other stuff that we're supposed to do out there. Let's um, let's get it going on. The Michael Luke Show, Common Sense, Liberty-based, free-thinking radio. Uh, we will continue now. Ben Carpenter, our guest on the budget and more. Here we go. <laughs> The Michael
0: Duke Show. Not your daddy. Wait, sorry. Not your daddy? Ooh, not your daddy's talk radio. Whew. I was scared for a second. Thought we were going
4: down. Here's Michael Dukes and the show. Okay. Uh, Continuing now, uh, taking taking, uh, some questions with uh, Representative Ben Carpenter. Who is the chair of the House Ways and Means Committee uh, and one of the leading stalwarts for a full fiscal plan? Uh, in reading the governor's proclamation with the vetoes, uh, Ben, uh, he talked about how this was fiscally responsible um, and everything else. And I, I mean, I just got to say that acquiescing to the seventy-five, twenty-five, twenty-five, seventy-five crowd. Didn't seem like that was fiscally responsible. I mean, you know, we talked about the, the 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 damage to the process by holding the budget back to the last minute and all that other kind of stuff. But the one thing we didn't talk about was that seventy five twenty five. this basically acquiesced to that and, uh, you know, was a complicit kind of admission that this is the way things are going to go forward. I don't think that's a fiscal plan, do you?
2: Well, no, I don't think it's a fiscal plan, but if we're if we're really getting stuck on the word responsible, then there's a little, I guess my perspective would be a little bit different. Um, I don't, we recognize that the, the process has been corrupted this legislature, whether we're having a conversation at, at day one of a special session or day 29 of a special session, that process is still gonna be corrupted. So, uh, I'm in agreement with people who who think that the end of the process or the end of the special session, we're not going to get a better outcome. That's that's a fact unless we have a change in how we're how we're approaching the the fiscal plan, right? Change of the structure. So um, if we're just going to continue down the same path, then eliminating further damage is a responsible thing to do. So I don't know whether that's what the governor was meaning when he says this is the responsible. it's, It's like this is as responsible as we can be right now. <laughs> that's different than this is a responsible budget. And right. I would just argue that it. This is as responsible as we can be is probably a more appropriate thing to say about the outcome of the of the budget. It it isn't what we should have done. It isn't um, keeping with any sort of a long term fiscal plan other than using the permanent fund earnings to fund government. Right. And that's that's not responsible. Right. But given that, given the makeup of the legislature and where we're at, that was the most responsible thing that we could do is to get a budget through.
4: But that was I mean, that is the plan, right? I mean, that is the the, the Senate's plan anyway. We have a fiscal plan. It's called 7525 where government takes 75 percent and you live on the rest. That's I mean, that is literally they said that is our fiscal plan.
2: Well, I mean, we were speaking just briefly in the break about the socialistic nature of our our state um Constitution, yeah, and and the the collective ownership of of mineral rights that gives us the permanent fund, right? So, from a socialistic point of view, spending all of the permanent fund earnings on state government is the goal. That is the long term plan. There is nothing in state statute or in the constitution that's going to require a twenty five seventy five split. And this is what I'm saying when we have a, the, a structural problem two or three budget cycles down the road, we will have grown our agency operations again, Mm -hmm. and there will be required more revenue to pay for that agency operations. So 2575 isn't it isn't locked in, it's just 2575. This year, next year, it could be 2080. Right? There's, there's no there's no structure to say that it that it has to be any particular number. And the gut the growth in government is going to consume that because there isn't anything else to consume. Now, in years where you have high oil prices or um, you know, willow comes online and we've got a, a higher um, output uh, production-wise, then maybe there's less pressure on um, spending all the permanent fund earnings on gr- the growth of government. Right. But structurally, if that doesn't happen, if we don't have higher revenues from oil, then the only other place that we can go, the legislature can go, is to consume the permanent fund earnings, and that is the that is okay with from a socialist point of view. That's in 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 the socialist mindset. We've got this collective right. ownership. The best thing that we could do with it is have strong government without any taxation,
4: operating well, as intended, right? Operating as intended, yeah. right, exactly. So
2: from a from a from a limited government perspective, you're, you've now got a state government that grows at the speed and the size of the permanent fund earnings, and You've got particular a particular lobby and and group of legislators who are making decisions about the collective ownership of those resources for the majority of the population. Okay, so you're setting this up. You're set. You've got a system that is being set up where a where a minority of the population directly benefits from the collective ownership of natural resources, and the minor, uh, majority of the population the majority of the the collective owners just benefit however the minority says they're going to through roads and schools and grants and whatever else the state budget um, puts out that state budget becomes how the collective ownership is exercised you don't get to benefit from the collective ownership as we have with a with a permanent fund dividend you know directly you're going to have to benefit indirectly by what the what the elite says is is how the state government is going to divvy that money out. Right. And that's through government services. That's through government right. dependency.
4: It's why we become such a dependency based state in so many ways. Right. I mean, that that flushes out and and furthers out that spending. That's why we've got one third of Alaskans on some kind of, uh, you know, welfare in this state uh, right now. One, th- I mean, 270,000 people. Part of the whole medicaid and the and and every snap and all the other kind of stuff i mean that's why we that's why it's so easy that's why we are a dependency state because that's how the constitution is factored and that's what makes it that's that's what makes it fly
2: yeah that's that's my that's my take on it if if we want to change that that structure to something that is um more based in a uh capitalistic reality then and and by that i I mean that the that the decisions that get made in the legislature concerning the budget and how we spend state resources have something to do with our private sector economy which in in all other jurisdictions matters to state government all other states then even at the federal level it matters whether our economy is going going good or going bad it's where the where the revenue is being generated for the for the federal government Minus our ability to just print money, um, but the, the federal government cares about our economy. The state of Alaska doesn't really care about our economy. It doesn't structurally matter to our state budget. Sure. And unless we're going to change the structure to make that part of the equation, then then we're going to continue down this path.
4: Uh, that's again part of the disconnect between the public and the private economy that we've talked about, because they don't have a form or a taxation base that's based on the on the private economy. It doesn't matter to them because the money's coming from another source anyway, so the private economy can do well or burn. It doesn't matter to them either way. They're still getting their money from another source. That's what you're saying.
2: I'm I'm saying I've spoken to legislators in this in the state, in the legislature, sitting legislators who define the economy in different terms than I do. They look at it as the government is our economy. I'm not I'm not exaggerating okay the government and the decisions that come from the legislature is our economy that is how some people view it and that is why we end up with decisions and if you look at how many people in the senate actually work a, um, a job how many have been dependent on state budgets state or federal budgets for their for their income for their entire life how many people in the senate have actually been successful in the private sector right right it isn't part of their their thinking that the private sector matters
4: no government and
2: government spending is the economy for some people that is what they're looking at
4: yeah well and i mean that that in and of itself is a scary proposition because again when they're not thinking about it at all it goes by the wayside (laughs) And because, I mean, we're not like other states where there has to be that conversation because we don't have to have it. They are never brought to the light of day. They're never brought up to brought up short and said, well, wait, you can't just ignore one and, you know, you can't just focus on one and ignore the other. You've got to do both. And unfortunately, you've got a bunch of folks in the legislature right now who are kind of of that mindset. And so this means that coming back in for the next session this idea of a long-term fiscal plan that you've been talking about—that's been going through ways and means that the fiscal policy working group talked about—those are, I mean, the, the it's going to be a tough and heavy lift at this point, right?
2: Yeah, I agree. Um, I guess I, I would use an example um, earlier. Early in the session, we passed a resolution in support of the Willow Project, and I say we—it was near unanimous from our legislature, and that's including. Um, more left-leaning legislators who maybe wouldn't otherwise support um, oil industry, right? That's that's telling. Why in the world would near unanimous support for the legislature um, for the Willow project, especially in today's climate, um, political climate and economic climate? Why would we do that? Well, because we recognize that oil industry in the state of Alaska is, has a significant impact on our state budget, and if we grow oil um, production, then we benefit. We're not having those conversations about other decisions that we might use um, or have within the legislature, such as hey, should we should we have capital spending towards, I don't know, let's let's say uh rail um investment. Okay. So what would happen if we connected the state of Alaska's rail network to lower 48s rail network, for example? I know that's a big a big what if and it's a, it would cost a lot of money. The point is what would that do in the state of alaska well how is state government going to benefit from that that's what most people in the legislature are going to think of because the state government is the economy but the better question we would be asked should be asking is how would our economic engine how is our private sector economy going to benefit from having an alternative uh, transportation means than what we currently have now right would, would that have a lowering of uh, costs to uh, goods and services? Would we have a, a, another way to get um, goods out of the state of Alaska? If we were producing raw materials and, and needed them to go somewhere or, or you know, maybe we're able to turn the raw materials into a widget or something and now we've got a, an alternative means of getting it out of the state of Alaska. Would that benefit our private sector economy? those are conversations that don't really happen in a legislature because growth in the private sector economy doesn't matter right. to our 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 budget conversation
4: right and we are completely divorced from it and so things like that which may have been taken care of years ago have never gotten around to it because it doesn't matter what the private economy does as long as oil flows and the permanent fund is there they have a whole nother they have a whole another choice um. All right. We're gonna um, we're gonna take one more quick break, and then when we come back, we'll finish things up with Representative Ben Carpenter. Um, and uh, I'll kind of let him have uh, his head here on the next uh, other side of this break. We're gonna come back and say, you know, how do we, how do we change these things that we just spent the last forty minutes going over and, and deducing and, and pointing out? How do we fix this? What is it gonna take? We're gonna to have to see, uh, see what he says. The Michael Duke Show continues. Common Sense, Liberty-based, free-thinking radio. We return with more right after this.
0: Listen to by more staffers in Juno than any other show. Because their bosses told them to. And after what they just heard, oh, man, they're going to be best. You're a bad, bad man. The Michael Duke
4: Show. Okay, Um, in the break right now, Ben Carpenter, our guest. Um, Yeah, I mean, no, yes, you're right. Uh, 67 percent raise. I mean, Ben was uh, I'm sure Ben was not in favor of that. There were many legislators that were not in favor of that. But the powers that be, especially on the Senate side, were definitely in favor of that. They were looking to pad out their uh, their final years in the legislature here before they go off because they're they're in the tier one system. So, I mean, it's it's going to happen. But uh, that was
2: that was the Senate president's first request
4: priority yeah,
2: on like day one or day two. When we sat down and we're eating lunch together and the speaker was sitting next to me and we were in the in the lounge and that was like. The first request, hey, what do you, what what are your feelings on a, on a pay raise or like,
4: yeah,
2: uh, that's probably not going to go over very well in our caucus.
4: Yeah, exactly. I mean, that was uh, was a little bit of a lead balloon, but they got it across the finish line and uh, you know, they're, they're happy to do it. Uh, Talk about tone deafness, 67% pay raise while the rest of the state is, you know, let them eat cake. Um, Definitely uh, a a problem uh, there for sure. Um, all right, let me go back up here to see what um, – uh, um, just think of the savings that could be had if you eliminated the House of Rep- – if they eliminated the House of Representatives. I mean, right, because you're just, uh, because you're just an advisory body now. I mean, what do you think is going to happen, Ben, as we come back to this session? I mean, do you guys have to resort to the same kind of tactics that the Senate does? I mean, is this a game of chicken? to the last minute of the legislative session where you hold the budget until, you know, they send it back to you? Or, I mean, do you guys just stare at each other across the aisle with the last few minutes of the session winding down because nobody trusts anybody anymore and that nobody's willing to pass the budgets back and forth?
2: I have described the legislature as uh, junior high meets the TV show Survivor. And I don't see how that changes in the next legislature. I think what happened this year, this, this uh, past legislative session, um, continues right into the next legislative session. Unless unless there's some willingness of the Senate to come together and, and um, you know, basically apologize for the way things went, the way, for their actions, and um, commit to a different direction, you know, having a serious conversation about that, I don't. I don't see anything changing.
4: But why Uh, I I,
2: don't want I don't want to be party to um uh acting in the same way that others have acted, that is continuing to corrupt the system. Um I don't know that there's an alternative. You know, I I said earlier if we're not going to, you know, be rational about this and, and appealing to better natures, right? If we can't appeal to the better nature, then we are having to operate in a corrupt system a corrupt environment and you you have to do the best that you can um with you know wherever your moral compass is and operating in that environment um
4: my guess what my I guess my point would be why would they apologize for the behavior i mean they got everything that they wanted right i mean,
2: I, I, I i'm i agree with you yeah i'm, <laughs>
4: I'm I mean, saying
2: unless we see a change yeah, from, unless from, we from see the way a change, that it is but... i i don't see that we have few we have very few options.
4: Yeah, but, I mean, again, this goes back to the whole you don't negotiate with terrorists because it points out exactly, you know, how their tactics worked. And this is exactly what's happening. Why should they apologize? Because they got every single thing that they wanted. And uh, and that's, that's the problem. Um, and uh, it, quite honestly, it's one of the reasons why I still have a sore point about what happened during the special session because – I mean, I agree. It would have been difficult. It would have been painful. But the damage to the process itself is all I don't know if it's I don't want to say irreparable, but it's damaged in a big way. And that's going to be problematic moving forward, because once they see that it works. We're we're going to have a real problem.
2: Yeah, I, I don't disagree with you. I think the relationships are strained, to say the least, going to the next session. Yeah, Um you know, when I first came into the legislature, my own, my own caucus had strained relationships. And, you know, we're not, we don't sit around and say kumbaya. We, we have uh, cha- our own challenges still. But we spent um, many years focused on developing relationships and behaving better in our, within our own caucus to get us to the point where we're at now. And I don't know that the, that the Senate really has attempted to do that right they haven't they haven't dealt with some of the more um interpersonal issues that that exist within the senate i mean look we've got three republicans that are being ostracized by other republicans in the senate i mean that obviously there's something there that needs to be dealt with right just from a from a parent's point of view yeah (laughs) something something needs to be dealt with here you can't just you can't just ostracize people who have a right to be there yeah just
4: well but again i don't see anything changing and brian says and they got at least the tacit support of the administration for these actions i mean same kind of thing yeah i mean if it if i had been the governor i think i would have found a way to veto 25 percent of that 75 just to say i know no it's not going to the dividend but all right, here we go. All right, we're continuing now. Uh, Representative Ben Carpenter is our guest. Uh, we're talking about uh, the final you know, steps of coming up in this year, the budget, the whole fiscal policy working group plan. I mean, what does this next year look like, uh, Ben? Uh, what what do people need to do? We were just talking during the break about, you know, unless the unless the Senate comes up and apologizes for its behavior and yada, yada, which is all pie in the sky because why would they when they got exactly what they wanted? So what does this next session look like? What does it look like over? You know, give me a twenty-four month snapshot here in your mind as you look at it. What does it? You know, what does it look like?
2: Well, I think one of the things that is going to impact us either in this next budget cycle or one or two of the following budget cycles, assuming that we continue to have um, low returns and high inflation, we may not have enough money in our earnings reserve account um, from the permanent fund. So this is the the earnings from the permanent fund. We may not have enough money in that account to pay a statutory uh, either 21% of net earnings or your 5% of market value, which is where the legislature is right now, pay the 5% of market value draw. We have transferred out of the earnings reserve account to the corpus of the permanent fund, the, the excess earnings above what we are statutorily Allowed to spend, which is the five percent market value draw. We have um, we have transferred money from the earnings reserve account into the corpus where we can't touch it. Right. To the extent that, because we've seen some low um, uh, returns in the last couple of years, um, we may not have enough money to pay that full. 5% of market value draw. So that ha- basically it's, um, our investment earnings won't produce as much revenue as, as we had hoped. Right, And that's going to drive, that's going to drive decisions within the, within the, within the budget. So if there's less revenue, less, uh, permanent fund earnings, you can bet that that means there's going to be less PFD because the narrative is always going to be that state government spending at current levels or meeting our, our, uh, necessary increases, is more important than a permanent fund dividend handout. I use here handout to people, right?
4: Right. Air quotes. Right. And you
2: and you and you hear you hear Republicans and Democrats saying that. Well, we can't just have a handout to the people, right? Well, you have to realize what that really means. What's what's really being said, and that's it's a socialist concept here. The elite. Those who want to see government grown and who are lobbying the government successfully, I I will add, are saying it is our way of uh, thinking about what needs to be done with the collective ownership of our natural resources is more important than the majority of Alaskans who want to see a permanent fund dividend continue. Because the, the majority of those Alaskans are also part of the collective. They're part of the owners of our natural resources. But because they're not a member of the legislature and because they're not part of one of the lobbies that are successfully lob- lobbying the legislature to spend on government programs, they're going to lose out on their ownership di- directly. Their ownership is going to benefit. They're going to be benefited by uh, state spending of some sort. So whether right. it's free childcare or roads or education spending or healthcare, those are the ways that the majority of Alaskans are gonna have to just be willing to accept. That's how they get to exercise their collective ownership of the natural resources. Now, the elite, those those individuals who are employed by state and to some extent, some local government that benefits from state money, but state government and those entities that uh, receive grants that are dependent on state spending and businesses, uh, private individuals, private business that re- rely upon grants from state uh, government from our budget, their paychecks and their health insurance and their uh, retirements are all they're directly benefiting from the permanent fund earnings that are being directed towards them. Right. So, so we're 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 moving towards a, a direction where. Only a portion, a minority of Alaskans, directly benefit from the permit fund earnings, and the rest of Alaskans, the vast majority, have to benefit um, through the services that those individuals choose, and and that is that is not healthy for the state of Alaska. Well, that is is not healthy at all,
4: especially when you look at it from a per capita spending issue. I mean, if we're spending fifteen thousand dollars for every man, woman and child in the state, the average family of four is then having sixty thousand dollars expended in their name. Are you getting sixty thousand dollars worth of services, roads and everything? I mean, is that that seems excessive, to say the least. But that's what we're told to shut up and sit down and just enjoy the services that we're being provided, and otherwise we just wouldn't have those things. Well, many of us go, "What exactly are we using for that sixty thousand dollars or the fifteen, fourteen, fifteen thousand dollars per person? What exactly are we getting for it?" And I think we're starting to see the point where people are understanding that it's just it's excessive. I mean, it's excessive. So, what does it take then to realign the ship? Ben? does it take? Um, does it take a connection between the people? Does it take a, some form of tax that puts skin in the game for them to be able to do it? Or, I mean, is there a way to to pull back on this the way it is right now?
2: Well, uh, philosophically, I would say that that a, a tax of the people, and this is just philosophically, a tax of the people helps keep the people in tune with their their government, right? Whether it's a sales tax or income tax or whether you're taking the PFD, as long as people are aware and, and believe that they have an option, then they're going to have a, a connection. Um, I'm I'm arguing that the PFD is, is gone. It's only a matter of a couple legislative sessions, a couple budget cycles, and the, the permanent fund dividend will be gone. So in, in my mind, that's people being taxed. But right. it's not money that's in my pocket. It's money that should have come to my pocket, and there's a difference.
4: Right, we don't um, see it. It's like withholding yeah. tax, right? It's like withholding tax. We never see it. And so we don't feel it as much because we never see that coming directly for us. Right. Whereas something I'm, else I'm I'm yeah.
2: arguing for a sales tax because it helps the structure problem. Yes, there is a, a component of the, the people are paying a tax and and so they have a, a dog in the fight, but I'm looking at it from a structure problem. How do we grow private sector lobby in our state government? How do we grow influence in into the decisions that are made in legislators that influence the uh, towards uh, doing things that promote or or favor private sector growth. If you don't have a source of revenue that is dependent on private sector growth, then you're not you, you, your private sector lobby is going to be uh, inept, like it is right now. It's largely oil. That's that's about it. Oil and, and some mining, maybe a little bit of fishing, but it's it it is not enough. To counteract the very socialist, pro-government uh, lobby that exists within within the state government, right. so uh, I'm I'm saying a structural change in the way we do state government is necessary if we want to see a more limited um, state government and one that's not as as socialistic has as many socialistic tendencies. You know, so that's why I'm that's one of the reasons.
4: Yeah, I'll be honest with you, Ben. I was really shocked when when Walker first took on the PFD. I thought, oh, this is it. The people are going to rise up because that was the third rail. Right. You don't touch the PFD. You don't do it. I mean, I thought people were going to be incensed. But what happened was there was kind of a lackluster response to it the senate at the time was uh was very you know they weren't going to override his veto they weren't going to change that and so that immediately signaled that that it was fair game on the pfd and ever since it's been fair game on the pfd i thought that the people would rise up i thought they were as incensed as i was about it and they were just disconnected and they never really they never really took up arms so to speak against this concept of tapping into the pfd and this is exactly what happens. Exactly what I said would happen. It's been drained slowly but surely. And like you said, within a budget cycle or two, it'll be 100%. It won't be 75-25. It won't be 50-50. It'll be 100% to government. And then there won't be any other choice. We will be forced to have a some form of tax or revenue come in because there will be no other option.
2: Yeah, when I first came into the legislature, we were having a conversation between, uh, about uh, reducing spending or reducing the dividend and that is the conversation that's been going on. We're we're at a point now where where people are scared, legislators are scared to have that re, uh, reducing conversation. We saw what happened to Dunleavy in in 2019. So the will for reducing spending within the state state uh, budget cycle is is nowhere where it's actually going to be effective. So we're we're and that's I don't I don't know how else to put it. Yeah we're either going to change the structure of how we do state government finances or we're going to end up with no dividend because the permanent fund earnings are going to be spent on all of our uh, state spending and that's the structure we're going to live in and then that doesn't even solve the problem because continued growth is going to demand additional spending right so that it, it's the choice is do you right now the choice is do you want a permanent fund dividend and a tax or do you want no permanent fund dividend and a tax
4: right those are the
2: that's the choice that we have right now because we don't have the capacity we don't have the ability to reduce spending in any significant manner the governor reduced spending in this budget and it allowed a three and a half percent growth right right. we don't have the ability to reduce the size and scope of our government right now
4: yeah. Well, the the ability or the political will, we've talked about that ad nauseum on this show. There are a few of you out there who are definitely pushing for it, but you are in a super minority at this point. Uh, and even if it was just left alone, government by itself would grow at a significant rate, $150 million every year anyway. So this whole thing is a hot mess. All right. Well, Ben Carpenter, thank you so much for coming on board. I appreciate you joining us today.
2: Always a pleasure, Michael. And you sound much better, so uh, we must have done something right.
4: I stopped talking. That was the thing, uh, folks. <laughs> we're out of time. We'll see you tomorrow. Have a great day. Um, yeah, no, I, I guess not talking was a big thing for a little bit there. I feel, you know, like at least I'm not hacking my lungs out. Um, ben, I mean, this is stuff that people don't want to hear. They don't want to hear that they you know, that there's gonna. They don't want to hear that there's gonna be a tax regardless and that's been my point for the last four years i don't want a tax i want them to cut i want them to cut back on their spending i want them to reduce the size and scope of government but as much as i talk about that the bottom line is is that there's going to be a tax because they can't control their spending so would you like to be part of that conversation and at least have some say and input in it or would you you know you're just going to throw your hands up in the air and let them take all of the dividend and then tax you on top of it, probably with one of the most regressive taxes you can come up with. I mean, that's really the bottom line here, right?
2: Yeah, I, I would agree. And I would just say that if we can if we can wrap our heads around a structural problem that we have, we, for many, many years now, we've been reliant on the cash cow on oil. And that has caused us to have certain um, tendencies or certain philosophies or thinking about how we do things because we can rely on that that, Largest of money, right? Well, the political winds are reducing that largest of money right now. Price of oil's down and production's down. So, what are we going to do long term in the state to make sure that our families have have jobs and our kids have jobs? Well, we have to grow the private sector economy, but that doesn't have anything to do with state budget right now. Right. So we have to look at a a. Um, a structural change away from relying on oil in our thinking to relying on a a growing private sector economy that isn't just oil yeah that is uh, other things as well tourism fishing all all of the above right An all of the above approach and our state government has to support that
4: we have to we have to do something different uh we can't keep going the same way that's just the definition of insanity And unfortunately, uh, like we were saying earlier in the program, you said something about an emotional, what did you say, an emotional event or something? I mean, a
2: a, a significant emotional event,
4: significant emotional event, which is a nice way of saying the addict doesn't know that there's a problem until they hit rock bottom. That's a nice way of saying that. That's what's going to have to happen in the state. I think it's going to be we're going to have to hit rock bottom and then all of a sudden the people are going to wake up and go wait a second you've been telling us all this time that we didn't need a tax if you just let you take the pfd and now you've taken the pfd and now we need a tax on top of it oh man that will be that'll be an eye opening experience right there i guarantee it and like i said we we'll, we can already see the handwriting on the wall what people will be saying well you know you guys have been getting a free ride. We all need to pay our fair share now. That's the next. That's the next uh, tactic that's going to be used. It's uh, it's crazy stuff. All right, Ben. Well, thank you for helping us out today. I appreciate uh, appreciate you being a part of it and saving my saving my voice for today. Thank you so much for coming on board.
2: Have a good day, Michael. It's good all to be right. here.
4: You too, my friend. All right, folks. We got more coming up uh, tomorrow. Brad Keithley, Chris Story. It'll all be good. Uh, I guarantee it, uh, or double your money back. How about that? All right. Out of time. Got to go. I'm going to go gargle something. Maybe gasoline. I don't know. Something back, back with more tomorrow. The Michael Duke show common sense radio.